Welcome back. We are in week two of college football. Uh, I am Alex. That is Mike. Uh, and boy, oh boy, did we have a excellent week one. Uh, we're going to break down some of the storylines. Not going to touch everything, nor do we. But uh, there were some very, very impressive, impressive wins. Very, very impressive performances. And there were some real bad ones. So let's start off, Mike. Give me who impressed you the most this week. At, uh, you know, name a couple teams and, and why you think they did so hot. I mean, before we start, that we have to talk about Colorado. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was going to assume that you were starting <laughs> was, with Colorado because you were impressed with Colorado because, yeah, boy, oh, boy, was that I an mean, amazing game. Clearly, Colorado was just – I mean, it was an unbelievable game, but an incredible performance from Dion and those kids. And, I mean, when you – with all the offseason – drama that went on i think i don't think most people doubted dion would be successful but i think most people doubted that dion was going to be able to put together a team that had the lines and the dudes up front and the depth to compete at the mid like average to above average power five level and against a team that was in the national championship game last year regardless of score yes and and he prove that he can do it with a bunch of skill players and a really great offensive coordinator. I, I mean, I don't want to take away from what they did defensively because they got stops and Travis Hunter was obviously also a big part of that, which I'll get to him. Um, but the, I was so impressed with how competent in rhythm and efficient their offense was with Shadur and these track stars all over the field running crossing routes and go balls and them just burning a defense that is very if not good has nfl talent um and colorado has nfl talent um and maybe we just underestimated that but they were they kept shadur moving they kept the pocket moving they played away from their weaknesses and they just they had a brilliant game plan they knew exactly what they wanted to do and they imposed their will on tcu offensively it was it was really impressive to watch and then Obviously, I mean, Shadur was great, but Travis Hunter was the story of this game from a player perspective. I can't, I can't underestimate how, or I can't understate how great a performance I thought that was from him. Mm-hmm. Like he, the thing that nobody is talking about is as good a performance as he had, and he was all over the field. Obviously, the pick was amazing. You know, the deep ball that he hit in the middle of the field was amazing. But he had two go balls in the first quarter. One was underthrown by Shadur, maybe his only actual miss of the day. Um, And the second one, he dropped laying out. So as good as his stat line was, he also Mm -hmm. could have had two more touchdowns on 40-yard bombs. Yeah. And and he dropped another pick. So he he literally could have finished the day if if one ball's thrown better and one ball's caught, or two balls are caught, I guess. He could have finished the day with, like, 200 yards receiving, three touchdowns, and two picks. Like, he was unbelievable all while playing over 120 snaps i believe yeah. he actually might have been at 120 exactly which I is think it was like 129 in- insane i mean the amount uh, what impressed me the most with colorado was how fast they were and how well prepared they were to be fast like their conditioning was insane i mean you heard it during the broadcast they were talking about well they're not even going up tempo they're going like hyper tempo and i was like yeah they kind of are like i mean i would see play clocks at 30 seconds and they're snapping the ball it's like holy crap this team is moving you know i and i was just thoroughly impressed with the coaching i was thoroughly impressed with how they performed Uh, you know i think it stands out when you know you go to work or you go to school the next day and and someone's talking and the first thing out of their mouth is did you see the colorado game last week or this weekend it's like (laughs) fucking yeah i did (laughs) this was awesome yeah yeah i mean it was such an incredible performance from a team that we didn't expect this out of and we even said it on the previous show like if if Colorado goes to six and six and goes to a bowl game Dion should be in the conversation with coach of the year I think that might have just flipped to like their floor if that offense can show up every like week, that yes like that and that's gonna be tough to do and it's a long schedule but if they show up like that they are going to gas some teams like absolutely gas teams um and, and that I don't think it was a fluke. Like, I don't know how Nebraska comes out and stops that offense this week. 
knowing that TCU had better athletes and a bit, probably a, a more experienced coaching staff. Um, now, granted, Nebraska gets the game film and the rest advantage, but I, I like good luck, dude. Um, you need you need guys and you need a lot of them to at least stop that offense. Now, you know, offense. I think Colorado is going to have going to struggle with some teams this year that are are ball dominant teams that play physical up front offensively and can control the clock. And the two that jump out to me, I think Utah is going to be a tough game for them. And Oregon state is going to be a tough game for them. Obviously Washington, USC, Oregon, those teams that they have to play are going to be tough games, but they're going to be tough games just because they're going to be in a shootout. But there's nothing that you saw um, on Saturday that would make you think that Colorado can't keep pace with them. I think the problem uh playing teams like Oregon State and Washington or uh, and Utah is if they run the football, they commit to the run, and they, they play good defense. And if they can get Colorado slightly out of rhythm, they can mm-hmm. really control the clock and keep that offense off the field. Um, yeah, I, I was going to add in, right? I love the Colorado hype. I love that they're already ranked 22nd. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so the top 25 is out. But I, I will caution anybody, Colorado's schedule is not hard. I would say it's fucking hard right in in three weeks they got oregon then they're they got usc then they have you know two easier games in arizona state and stanford but then they got ucla oregon state arizona washington state utah like their schedule will be tough getting to a bowl game is not a foregone conclusion for colorado no but i think with what you saw last week it is very much on the table yeah and the, yeah, they're going to be in a lot of tough games, but the rest of their schedule they should dominate based on what we saw this week. And it's Who? a reaction week season, so oh yeah, week we'll one. See. But um, yeah, maybe maybe the floor isn't six and six, but it's certainly you know their potential now is way higher than I think anybody thought. If they pick off a couple of these other teams, you know, you could see them win seven eight games and not be surprised the way that offense showed out on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Who else impressed you this week? Uh, I'll quickly go through my list. I thought, I thought I saw what I wanted to see out of Alabama. Um, they're certainly not the most impressive team of the weekend. Jalen Milrow still is going to get tested in tougher games, especially coming up this weekend. But I, the feeling that I had about Bama being back to run the football, be aggressive, physically dominate with superior athletes is what you saw from them. And, and there's, it's, it's middle Tennessee state. They did beat Miami last year, but they had a huge turnover of their roster. What I think, but I think you can tell the difference between when a team comes out and they just they play okay and they get the job done against the inferior G five opponent, and when they come out and really like assert themselves and dominate a game from start to finish. And that's what happened mm-hmm. in Alabama this weekend. I mean, they were forty two to nothing in the third quarter. Like they, they came out, they put their foot on the gas, and they demolish them and they covered, you know, not based on the what I thought would happen, which was they were going to rotate through all three quarterbacks and just keep scoring, but they dominated both both sides of the ball completely. I thought it was a great performance from them. Washington, I mean Washington was so impressive. Um I agree. I, I, I did Michael like. Penix, I might be coming around. <laughs> I've I've been a notorious <laughs> Michael Penix doubter, but I watched a yes, good amount have. of that Washington game and he was throwing stripes down the field. And they they're another team too, where they just keep running go routes, and and it is, it is a relentless, airborne assault. <laughs> like yeah. they will just they will throw the ball downfield over and over and over again until they hit it, and uh, and like they they play that way offensively against everybody else, man. Because Boise State's not bad. Like I, I don't think Boise State is nearly as bad as that they showed on Saturday, and Washington smoked. Um, I thought Miami looked good. I thought it was a good, not great performance. Um, but it, you, there weren't obvious mistakes. They looked much more competent. You and I are both notorious Mario Cristobal doubters. Um, so notorious. Yeah, we need to see that. Uh, we need to see that happen in a big spot. Um, but they certainly looked uh, much more prepared, settled, poised, and ready to handle expectations this year than they did last year. And then I'll shout out my Tar Heels, man. I, I, um, 
I I was really nervous for that game. I did not know how that was going to go. I could see a world where the defense would have fallen apart, and th- that defensive line came out and balled out. Um, I don't know that they're going to do it every week, but, I mean, nine sacks. And, and maybe South Carolina just has the worst offensive line in the Power Five. That could possibly be true. But I, I still think getting nine – like, there, there were teams playing FC, or FCS teams that didn't have nine sacks yesterday. Or uh, on Saturday. So I I thought it was a really good performance from them. I thought Drake May was good. I would have liked to see the offensive line play a little better, but South Carolina usually had some dudes up front. Drake May threw a couple picks, which is, I I think, a blessing in disguise because he'll have at least a little bit of chip on his shoulder to play better going forward. Um, One of them was horrendous. I don't know what he was looking at, but he made a terrible throw. Um, But besides that, I, I thought UNC looked really good. I think this this tees up the the rest of this month's schedule pretty nicely for them. Um, they get App State if they take care of business. Then they get a Minnesota team that looked dreadful, um, and then uh, they get into conference play. I think starting with Syracuse, so um, chance to really to make a, a decent run here in the ACC for North Carolina. Yeah, so I I like it. I actually have UNC on mine as well. Uh, I wanted to give you guys a shout out. I thought I thought the defense impressed me to the point where I thought I very much when I bet uh, South Carolina and lost uh, that South Carolina's offense would look a lot better and UNC just stuffed them. And, and the, you know, they, it seemed like they had a good pace. They weren't rushed. They were on offense, you know, they were consistent, you know, very few opportunities to turn the ball over. I thought they were, they were nice and level. I was pretty impressed. I, I think as far as other teams that impressed me, obviously Colorado, we talked about Oklahoma, kind of came out of nowhere and put up 73 points on them by themselves. Um, if we're, if we're looking at this and this truly is like how explosive Oklahoma's offense can be, I think they got a chance to maybe sneak uh, to a close to undefeated season. Um, if you look at their schedule, their hardest game is Texas. Um, but that's the only ranked team right now that they're playing all year. They'll have a decently tough game. Uh, really this Saturday is the check as to whether or not Oklahoma is as good as they think they are. Uh, when they go and face SMU. SMU is not a bad team. If they cover against SMU, I might be starting to revisit how I think Oklahoma is going to do this year. And then I'll I'll, I'll give, uh, you know, I'm a known Utah lover, but I'll give Utah a little credit here. Um, you know, I think going up against uh, an SEC team, and we'll talk about, I'll talk about Florida in a second. Um, but I think going up against an SEC team, uh, you know, first game of the season, you're missing your star quarterback due to injury. Who knows when he's going to get back, right? Um, especially in what was essentially like a zero, like one hour before the game, we find out um, that, you know, that you're out your star quarterback. I, I think that's impressive. And I think that's, you know, something to be, you know, commended. And I think, you know, hopefully well, Cam Rising's healthy for this week. And, and we, I don't, I, we found out they probably knew he wasn't going to play. Correct. Correct. A, a while. <laughs> in in any case, taking down Florida in such a handed fashion. I mean, Florida looked like hot garbage. Yeah, we'll talk um, about it. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought Utah impressed me. And I think Utah can probably – I think there's still a chance that Utah's a very, very good team and could walk away maybe with even a Pac-12 championship at the end of the year. Um, as far as the bad, we'll talk the upsets and the bad. My two bad is Florida and BYU. Uh, we'll talk. I'll let you talk Florida, but BYU to me, I was watching that game. BYU won technically, if you could call it that. Um, but they played like ass all. I mean, BYU was was playing Sam Houston like they were trying to lose, and somehow Sam Houston just was never able to capitalize on offense. But BYU scored 14 points against Sam Houston. Like, I don't think they're going to do very well. Keaton Slovis, their quarterback, was was 20 for 33, no touchdowns. Like, it was bad. And up until the fourth quarter, if you weren't watching the BYU game, it was 7-0. Sam Houston could have at any point capitalized on mistakes. Um, so I thought I, I, I was very shocked to see BYU be that bad that early. Uh, and then we had upsets, right? We had Wyoming take down Texas Tech. We had Duke take down Clemson on Monday night. And we had Texas State take down Baylor. I think of those, I thought Duke and Wyoming deserved very much to win. I thought they were the better team on the field. I, I couldn't tell if Texas State was better or if Baylor just had an astoundingly bad game. 
Um, but I think Clemson might be might be dead in the water for this year and, and going forward, honestly. And I don't think this is Tech's year, um, unfortunately for them. So should be interesting to see. Mike, give me your thoughts on Florida and some of the upsets. Um, yeah, Florida was the worst coach team in the FBS last week. I mean, there's not really a, a I don't kind think way. it's hyperbolic. Yeah, I, I that was it was inc- I, I mean. When you take three first downs off the board with penalties, in it, like inside of third and six, and then you put two number threes on the field, um, like yeah, is that it? is a stunning level of it. Like they have the bad. largest coaching staff in America. They have the largest. I, I, I'm pretty sure they have the largest FBS coaching staff in the United States, and they couldn't figure out that they had three number or two number threes on the field. That's crazy. And, yeah, and it's not like this isn't going away. Graham Mertz played well. Like they've got some things they need to figure out down there. Um, they look, yeah, this wasn't like eight turnovers lost them the game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they, besides all of the coaching mistakes, they were still just like they were in that game for part of the first quarter, and they just could never find it again. And and turning the ball over and the penalties and the missed kicks. And the, it, it was, I mean, just a, a, a awful performance. I, and like, they're, they're going to get Tennessee in a couple weeks. Look out, man. Like this season has the potential to go very sideways. Cause Florida, like you want to talk about fan bases that like handle setbacks well and fan bases that don't Florida is one Florida's that, not, that, not that the does one. not handle like five and seven seasons. Well, not, um, not that any SEC team does, but no. But I mean, like, yeah, I, I think, it, and it goes to the credibility of the coach. But I think Florida was so excited to get Billy Napier in there to, as a guy who could recruit, and they wanted a guy who could recruit, and because Dan Mullen didn't seem interested in doing it, and now they got a guy who can't coach. Um, yep. So maybe the next guy that they go get can do both. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's. It's not good for Florida. Um, as far as other teams, so on, on the upsets, that Wyoming game was awesome. I hope people stayed up. That was that. so much fun to watch. It was, it was nuts. Um, and the memes were rolling in, too. There was, uh, there was a guy wearing only a barrel and shorts with cowboy boots that had a big Wyoming. It was, the barrel was Wyoming. It's like a little <laughs> suspender barrel. That was funny. Yeah. I, like, of that, like, I think Texas Tech is probably the one out of those three that I could just chalk it up to, like, Week one, they probably weren't as good as most people thought they were. Going to a very tough place to play against a, a team you knew was going to be fired up. Like, that's a very week one sort of loss, especially yeah. double overtime. Clemson, man. Um, Putting up seven points against Duke is bananas. I mean, Duke Duke is good, but you they, they completely pissed that game away. Like, Duke... I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Duke was the better team, but this could have been a ball game. And Clemson decided to not score a touchdown in the with like five red zone trips in the fourth or in the second half. Um, I, I agree with you though. I, I think there's bigger problems there, like Kate Klubnick's mm-hmm. refusing the high five. Dabo coming in from the side, like coming in from the yeah. field, like I, maybe maybe the players just haven't bought in. I, I have no idea, but it. it I think you're right. And again, back to overreaction season. I just, I was higher on this team because I thought that, that Garrett Riley would really change the way that offense looked. And it feels like every time that's happened in the past at Clemson, they've been successful. Maybe club Nick's not good, but it didn't seem like Garrett Riley put any new wrinkles into that offense. It looked very vanilla, very lame. Um, and it, I just, Man, I am not feeling good about picking them to win the ACC. Um, uh, I wouldn't feel good either. And also, if I may just interject here, shame on the AP poll for putting Clemson at 25. Yeah, that's crazy. That's not Fucking shameful. Iowa deserves it. UCLA deserves it. Arkansas deserves it. I think UCLA – I would take UCLA out of those. I, I would say TCU deserves it more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're probably right. Like, they played a very good Colorado team that no one expected to act like that. Yeah. It's fair to say, like, oh, maybe they're better. Yeah. You know, than, than we saw, and maybe that was a fluke. That Clemson did not feel like a fluke. Yeah. 
no, it felt like something was wrong there. Baylor too. Dave Aranda, that's not a that that's a little concerning from from Baylor's perspective because Dave Aranda is a good coach and they they bungled that game away against a team that had second most roster turnover behind Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not good. As far as underwhelming, I'll, I'll run through these pretty quick. Ohio State, I'm con- I would be very concerned. I my buddy who's an Ohio State fan came over to watch this game, and he was not happy. Um, Kyle McCord looked lost. And there were some throws, some hospital balls down the middle of the field. He had some some misreads, some throws into triple coverage. I think one of them to Julian Fleming that, if it was on target, would have assuredly been picked off by multiple people. Um, he was lucky he overthrew it. Um, I, I would be very concerned if I were an Ohio State fan because it was it seemed by the snap counts that they decided a while ago that Kyle McCord was the quarterback. The problem is Kyle McCord was not good, and it was it didn't look fluky. And they that, to me, says that Ryan Day didn't want to name a starter publicly because he didn't want to give um, Indiana more time to prepare, uh, which – Yeah, which have, is not good because you want confidence in your quarterback to the point where you're going to just say, yeah, here he well, is. Well, yeah, but I, I also think – if he felt like he needed to masquerade whether or not Kyle McCord was starting and then he showed up and played like that, that's not good. Um, Agreed. And Devin Brown, like the fact that they didn't go to Devin Brown when Kyle McCord was clearly struggling probably says more about their quarterback room as a, as a whole. I think it's really, really concerning. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be very nervous if I was an Ohio State fan. Um, and then LSU, I mean, bad. I don't, bad. I don't think that was catastrophic. I still think LSU, there's a shot that they could make something of this season. Oh, yeah, of course. But I like just they, they had a chance to step on Florida State's throat and mm-hmm. really take this game away at the very beginning before it even got started. And they just did the same because Florida State had what, five or four personal fouls in the first, like, 20 minutes of gameplay. Um, yep. Florida State, like, Florida State was making mental mistakes all over the place in the first half. And, and everybody, like, Keon Coleman was good. Like, call me a Florida State hater, but I need to see them. The, the reason that I was lower on them than probably the public was coming into this season was because of first halves like the one that they had in this game. Um because it just feels like that's the sort of game that Mike Norvell's teams play once a year, twice a year, where they just mm-hmm. they look lost, they make dumb mistakes, they 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 do things like Florida, um, and so I need you know I I thought they responded really well. Florida State obviously exploded in the second half. Yeah, um, and, and LSU at the same time kind of shit the bed in the second half. Yes, I mean, yeah, besides I mean, yeah. a garbage time touchdown, they did not score. Yeah, uh, but I, I think the concerns that I had with both teams were definitely on display. But LSU in that second half just looked lifeless. And, I, like, Jaden Daniels I, did not – I don't think he played particularly well the entire game. That secondary is a problem. Um, so I, I don't think it was a great performance for LSU. I don't either. I don't either, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think Florida State should be ranked four, but that's just me. Um, but we have a whole season to find out. So let's get into the games. Uh, we're like we do every week. Pick a handful of games, quite literally five games this week uh, that we think are going to be the best games. Uh, they're typically also the most important and the most um, sought after in the market. Uh, so. First one we'll do uh, at noon kickoff, Notre Dame at North Carolina State. Uh, noon kickoff, Notre Dame is seven and a half point favorites. Over under is 51. Mike, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the story here is, is this going to be a reversal of uh, what we've seen so far, or is it going to be more of the same? Yeah. Um, I happen to think it's going to be more of the same, and that's because I – you have multiple weeks of uh, body of work on Notre Dame. And I, so I, I'll, one of my picks this week when I drive to Virginia and bet legally um, is Notre Dame minus seven and a half. I like NC state did not 
did not look good against Connecticut. Um, that game was a touchdown um, well into the third quarter, and UConn had a realistic chance to win that game. I know it was in Connecticut. I know it's the first week. I know Brendan Armstrong's a, a new quarterback. I know they ended up winning 27-14, to 14, which I think covered, or were they 14-and-a-half-point favorites? Uh, I would have to check. Yeah. So, I, I can I, like, either way, I think there was an – I saw enough there, and you could say, like, classic North Carolina person hating on NC State. Um, I just – Notre Dame has looked extremely competent, extremely polished, um, and they have looked physically dominant in the first two weeks. Now, granted, both of those teams were not good. Mm. Um, but you would have expected NC State to look similarly – physically dominant a team that always runs the ball well plays good defense against a team like UConn they didn't um like I don't know what the spread I'm maybe the spread would be different right now but if UConn played Navy would that be more than a one score spread probably not uh I mean UConn might I I, I'm very low on Navy this year I think yeah they might be I mean they might be awful but I'm saying going into this season you would have you would not have said that Navy and UConn would be a very, like, would. No, no, not at all. They're, they are similar, not leagues. Yeah. Different. Very similar teams. And Notre Dame clearly looked way better, and NC State didn't. NC State is a tough place to play, big crowd, you know. But the advantage there is that they. Notre Dame is led by a guy who has played there before, who has gone there and won before, I'm sure. Um, so I. I mean, I'll double check that, but. Um, I think Notre Dame has a, a ton of experience. They run the, they play a, a style of football that travels, which is running the ball, playing good defense and being physical up front. They're going to try to do to NC State what NC State's going to try to do to them. The spread seven and a half, I realize that's more than two scores. I, I, I think Notre Dame wins this game by 10 minimum. Um, I, I, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Notre Dame, and I don't think there's anything that tells me that I mean, besides like classic college football stuff, but Notre Dame to me doesn't really fall into that camp because Sam Hartman is their quarterback who's been playing college football for a very long time. Quite a while. Yeah. So I I am on Notre Dame here. I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. I think it might stay close through the half. I think Notre Dame eventually wears them down. I, I agree. I, I'm going to actually stay away from the spread here. I do like the over 51. Uh, I think North Carolina can get about two to three scores. You're going to see this this number push uh, over 51. So, And I, I think they have the ability to do that on offense, despite you know not having a great showing last week. I also think there's a possibility Notre Dame just comes out firing on all six centimeters, and this game is you know in the 30s by the second quarter because – Notre Dame is just dominating. I, I really am starting to see a lot of like positives on Notre Dame's side. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if Notre Dame starts to become part of the conversation if they continue down this path either. So yeah. it should be interesting to see how we. we I want to see them play. This. I want to see a, them play a team with like truly elite athletes on the outside. Yes, that's yes. that's what we and they'll get that against Ohio State though. Ohio State may have way more of its own problems, but. It, Really, for the skill position players on Notre Dame, the wide, really the wide receivers, um, I need to see them run routes against guys who aren't going to be enterprise car salesmen. Yeah, and the good thing if you're a Notre Dame fan is they have the schedule to prove themselves, right? This year they will play Ohio State, Duke, who's currently ranked, USC, Pitt, who's okay, Clemson. You know, they have a Wake Forest. They have enough games where those are good teams. If they come out, and they are, you know, relatively undefeated or maybe a loss to one of the best teams like USC, there's a chance they're in the conversation if things go crazy this year um, with, between those four teams. But let's continue on. Uh, we have uh, two 330 games that we chose uh, as interesting. A&M Miami, uh, 3.30 p.m. A&M, Texas A&M is at Miami. Uh, they are minus four and a half on the line, and the over-under is 51. Uh, Mike, do you think the Canes have what it takes? I think they might. I hate this number. Um, this is this is a very good number if you're Vegas because I don't know that I like either side of the line. No, 
I'm I'm staying completely away from this game. This game could go in so many different directions. There's just so much volatility here. I think this is truly like a we'll see which team could take a a, a major step this year um, from this game because. I mean, you could get a scenario where both play pretty well and just one of them ends up winning, sort of like the the game, was it two years ago that they were in? Uh, no, that would have been last year. Uh, yeah, that was when Van Dyke got beat up. Who did, I felt like Miami had an impressive showing a couple of years ago at a conference um, when Van Dyke really got on the scene. But anyway, um, no, I think, yeah, you I, we, we just don't – I don't know enough about either of these teams and whether or not they've fixed their their biggest problems because like you know Miami obviously started off well last year and then fell apart in the in the middle of the season um A&M did the same thing <laughs> yeah pulling a classic crystal ball and like Texas A&M just you you don't know when the wheels are just going to come completely flying off and it could happen in this game on the road if they win I would hammer whoever's playing Texas A&M the following week um <laughs> because that seems to be the Texas A&M playbook uh, is they, they go, they get a big win and then they just catastrophically melt at home against somebody you've never heard of. Um, so I, that was App State last year, which obviously everybody, everybody has heard of App State. Um, but my point is, yeah, I, I haven't, what'd you say the total was here? Uh, 51. And I'll give you a little hint. I'm taking the over here. Yeah, no, that would it. if you made me pick any side of this, it would be the over. But I, yeah, because I could see, I could see both defenses coming out and playing physical, and both offenses were the sides that struggled last year. But I also think, you know, Texas A&M specifically has an eye Smith and Evan Stewart, like two really really good wide receivers, and Miami looked very competent offensively. So if Van Dyke is just fixed, this could turn into a shootout. So I, I would lean that way. I think fifty one's low. I could see this at like. 27, 24, 31, 27, like somewhere in there. And you, you get over the number, but not by a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, keep me away from this game. I, I'll watch and see what happens as an interested observer, but I don't want any action. On this, so. this one for me will be on the second screen, uh, which we'll talk about the next game in a second here. But uh, I, I like the over here. I think A&M's offense has an edge on Miami's defense, and I think Miami's offense has an edge on A&M's defense, if that makes sense. So I think both teams, I think you're more likely to see a shootout than like a 7-10 game here. Um, I lean the over. Uh, I'm probably not going to bet it, but if you know I'm feeling frisky on Saturday, I'll, I'll pop it in. But um, yeah, I, this one to me, this is like, I, I can't get too excited about either of these teams just yet because of how last year went for both of these teams, um, especially A&M. You know, I, I think last year they were very, very hyped up. And when we got down to the, the meat of it, you know, they lose their last two games and they shouldn't really have. Um, there were maybe some, you know, oh, is Jimbo gone, blah, blah, blah. And I think that residing, you know, that that lingering over top for the past, like basically two years has been a frustrating endeavor. Um, so I'm not high on either of these two teams until they really start to show me some. Um, it'll be an interesting game, though. I think it'll be a good one. I, I hope it's a fun uh, 3.30 watch. But I, I lean the over. Not much here aside from that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Over 91% of the cast is on the over. Yeah. So And the look, the, the line has moved. So if you're not locking it in soon, it opened at 47.5. So if you're not getting it at 51, if it goes to like 53, 54, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch that, you know, and if I it think, continues to shoot that high. Like, the cash is 57% on Miami, the tickets are 54% on A&M, so it seems like even the educated, you know, betters are... Have no completely, yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> uh, Old Miss Tulane, 3.30 p.m. as well. This is the one I'll be have, I'll have on TV. Tulane is plus seven. I believe that line has started to creep up. Uh, I think they opened at seven and a or six and a half favorites i actually see them at seven and a half now but in that ballpark over under is 65 uh i'll go first here this is very easy i'm going to take two lane money line uh they're plus 240 i believe in Tulane. i believe in michael pratt i believe what i saw um with Tulane against South Alabama was very good. They handled business fine. I also like the over here. These are two teams that can score a lot. Uh, Ole Miss probably 
on paper the better team. I think Tulane at home wouldn't shock me if game day is there for the first time on Tulane's campus ever. Um, so sign me up for for a big game. Game, game um, day, I think, is going to be in Alabama, right? Oh, right. Jesus. <laughs> Um, but Sorry, regardless, no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. I totally <laughs> forgot. Uh, but, but, uh, I think it'll still be a good game. I think this is better of the two matchups, to be honest with you. I think people might be surprised if they haven't been paying attention to Tulane over the past like 13 months. I think they might be surprised, uh, how they look in this game. So I'll take Tulane money line, maybe sprinkle the over. Um, but no one else agrees with me. Uh, 80% of the bets and 93% of the money is on Old Miss on the spread. So should be yeah. interesting. I think that's just people don't know enough. About well, I, I think what it is, is I mean, SEC football. The Sharps is weird to me. I, I don't know why the, the money's so heavily on Tulane. I could easily, like, Tulane just did this. <laughs> yes. In a bowl game. <laughs> they just Against beat, the team that's ranked number six. They yeah. just beat the Heisman winner. <laughs> like, and granted, we're missing our star running back, but Michael Pratt is still a fantastic quarterback. Yeah, but Caleb Williams was still playing in that game. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me either. Um, no, I, I don't have a pick here. I, I think this is a good number. Um, I I could definitely see Tulane winning this game. Um, I'm not going to follow you on it. Uh, and I don't really have a read on the total because I don't watch. Like, the question is, what did Miss Ole Miss do last week? I'll try to figure that out. But if really – Last I week, Ole Miss uh, played Mercer, and they crushed him. That it, yeah, not not they You're crushed not really learn much. My my no. thing is like, yeah, I like. Do you believe Ole Miss's offense is as good as it was last year? To me, I don't, which is why I like Tulane in this game. Um, I, like if you made me pick a side of it, um, I, I don't hate the money line. I'm just not gonna follow you on it. Um, but I, that would be, I think that would be where I would go. Um, would be. Eileen Tulane uh, plus six and a half, or is it seven and a half? Seven and a half, seven and a half now, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? Add it to my point. Yes! Let's go, baby. Tulane plus seven and a half. Let's go. I love I, it. Like, outside of a touchdown is crazy. I, I was thinking for some reason still it was six and a half. Outside of a touchdown, this game to me screams like, you know, tight wire to wire. At Tulane, like, yeah. This should, be, to, this should be a one-score game, I think, the entire game. And if you look at it genuinely, um, Tulane playing Power 5 schools over the past three years, they've done fantastic playing Power 5 schools. They beat, obviously, USC in the Cotton Bowl this year. Uh, you know, last year they played uh, very well. The year before they played, I believe, OU, and they brought them to double overtime in week one. And that was a 2-8 and eight Tulane team. So they're like the opportunities are there for, for Tulane to succeed against the power five that I don't think they're in any way afraid. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Ole Miss kind of reacts and, and, you know, cause it is down South in, in new Orleans. So should be an interesting uh, visit. All right, let's move on to our two final games and then we'll go to picks. Uh, we'll start with Oregon, Texas tech, and we'll finish up with uh, probably the most anticipated game of the week, but Oregon, Texas tech, 6 p.m. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite over under 66 and a half. Uh, Mike, I'll let you go first. I took the last one. Is uh, this a bounce back for Texas Tech? Is this Oregon crushes them? Is the line an overreaction? What do we think? I I don't think the line is an overreaction because I think the line is probably not in the right spot. Um, <laughs> like it should be heavier on Oregon. I think Oregon is going to be really good. And if, if the trend that we've seen from the Pac-12 in its last year is going to continue, which I think, like, nothing they – it beyond the scores, what the tape shows you is not teams that look like they're going to regress to the mean. Like, may you know, Oregon's not going to score 81 every game, and Washington's not going to put up 60 against a G5 bowl, like, uh, playoff contender. Not that Boise State was going to make a playoff. They – they had a chance, you know, you could you could have seen a world at the beginning of the year where if I told you Boise State ends up 10-2 and two and is the best G5 team in America, you would have believed me. And uh, Washington just killed them. Um, so, 
with all that said, I don't know that – I think Texas Tech losing that game on the road was fluky for them. I think they're better than what they showed. This, to me, is just I, – I believe in Oregon way more than Texas Tech. I don't care that this game's in Lubbock. Six and a half is too small a number. Um, Bo Nix, obviously, talking about experienced quarterbacks. Bo Nix can travel on the road. You know, this isn't really a letdown spot or like a – like. They've been, you know Oregon's been preparing for Texas Tech as their main game for the year because they definitely didn't spend a whole offseason game planning for Portland State. So, <laughs> like, uh, Oregon should be very prepared to play this game. Um, and they'll only be have been given more confidence uh, knowing that Texas Tech lost to Wyoming. They get Hawaii next week at home. So they have nothing to look forward to. Um Oregon should be squarely focused on this game. I think the Bo Nix, like the Bo Nix Heisman thing is funny, but I think they are going to try to come out and prove that he is like a, a legit top five quarterback in, in college football. And his numbers tracked that way before he got hurt last season. So I like, I don't understand why this, this spread is so tight. And I don't understand the Texas Tech hype. I think Oregon comes out and smokes them. Um, I think this is another one where, like, getting it at a touchdown to me feels crazy. This should be outside of the number. Um, and Oregon should win this game by at least 10. Um, they're, they're just a way better team. Like, Texas Tech, I don't think Texas Tech's necessarily going to have a bad season. I think Joey McGuire is a good coach and great recruiter. But they there is no reason why Oregon shouldn't blow them out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a hundred percent. I agree. Uh, I don't. I think if I watched Texas Tech last week and I saw how they played, I I subscribe maybe a little less to the idea that that was a fluke. I think Wyoming maybe was a little better than we thought they were, and that's fun. Um, but they weren't horrible last year, and they've been coming up as of late. Um, but I, I think what I saw out of Texas Tech was was supremely disappointing. I think Tech fans have a right to be upset, uh, and I think this is going to be a schlacking. I, I would almost look alternate line like minus 13 and a half if, if you can get it at like plus 200. I really do not think Texas Tech is a good team. Um, I think the only way they keep up and maybe inside the number is if they are, you know, air raid of old somehow uh, in this game, which I don't think will happen. Um, so so give me Oregon as well. Um like the only the only avenue I see where Texas Tech gets into this game is if they just hit like the same amount of college football plays that like that Oregon know. does like, to yeah, keep up well, basically. Like Florida State, like like one of those where like everything goes, or like Clemson. If like if Oregon comes out and makes every mistake Clemson makes in the first half, then maybe you have a game. But like if you don't think Oregon's going to do that, I don't see how Texas Tech stays close to them. And even then, it. Even if the whole game played out like in the first half, the way that Clemson Duke did, where like Texas Tech is up twenty-eight to seven at halftime, I could still see a world where Oregon State or Oregon not only wins but covers. Like if if they just come out in the second half and Dan Lanning just is like wake up and they win 35-28, I would not be shocked. Even if they came out and played the worst half of football they play all season, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just uh, yeah doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> All right, final game that we'll talk about before we get to picks. Texas at Alabama, the rematch from last year that everybody was crazy about. Um, you know, everybody's healthy now on Texas's side of the ball, and there's a lot higher expectations from Alabama. Texas is plus seven and a half right now, over under 54 and a half. I think we're going to be on opposite sides of this, but give me Quinn Ewers with the points. Um, everybody's been talking about how Alabama's amazing, fantastic, the best. This is revitalizing their old, you know, whatever, you know, Saban's happy doing pressers, which is always a concern, I think, for America if he's happy doing pressers. But I, I myself will take Texas with the points. Um, you know, I, I think Texas has the ability with Quinn Ewers healthy to upset Alabama or at very least keep it within a touchdown. Um, so that's, it's, that's a very simple for me. You're giving me a touchdown and, and half a point. 
I'll take a touchdown and a half point. And a majority of, of the money is, is on this. So 43% of the bets are on Texas, but 84% of the money um, with Alabama having 57% of the sheets and only 16% of the money. So someone somewhere sees the same thing I do. Um, so give me Texas, give me the points and I'll, you know, risk it for the biscuit that Alabama isn't the, you know, amazing super team that everyone says they are this year. Um, I am not taking this because of the Vegas, um, splits. I was, Mm. I was ready to sit down in this chair and tell you how I was going to wait for this line to drop, um, inside of the number and it is not dropping despite the fact that most of the money's on it, and that's because the public is on Alabama. Um, I, putting the spread away and talking about this game, I do still think Bama wins this game. Um, I think this environment is going to be nuts. I think that fan base, they saw everything they needed to believe, like I said. Um, and I, I'll be very interested to see how Texas's offensive line plays against this Alabama front because at Alabama too. Yeah. I thought Texas looked, that was the the most concerning thing I saw from Texas this week. Besides Quinn Ewers missed a few passes that I really wouldn't have expected him to miss. Um, Just some balls that I thought were either slightly underthrown or overthrown. So Um, I, I didn't read into how they played rice this past week exclusively because I knew they were in such a look ahead spot that, that I don't even know that like I, I almost, we almost should have identified that and bet rice against the Longhorns. Yeah. I think they still covered though. What was No, they didn't. They didn't. It was 35 and a half. They didn't score more than 35. They scored. I thought they scored 37. I thought I did. I think they just missed cover. Oh, you did. No, no, no. But rice scored 10. Oh, I thought they scored three. They must've got a garbage time touchdown. Um, yeah, no. Like, I think Texas' defensive line looked great. Rice may be one of the worst teams in the group of five. Um, JT Daniels doesn't – like, the fact that I, – I think I went on this rant last week. But the fact that JT Daniels is allowed to play college football for his fourth team and Tez Walker was not allowed to play Saturday night – is so yeah, ridiculous. That's that's fucked. It is so stupid. Like the, <laughs> that that is the thing that like drives me nuts. It's like you want to you want to clamp down the transfer rules. I get it. You like you've got to be if you're the coach who's mad about it. You've got to be saying the same thing the entire year. You can't like Mac Brown had a right to be mad, but also Mac Brown was the one last year when the transfer portal was pulling Tony Grimes and Storm Duck away from his secondary, who was saying that we needed more rules. So. Mac, you can't have it both ways. I love you. You're a very nice person, but you can't have it both ways. Same thing with Dion and, and the mental health waiver they couldn't get for him. Same thing for Marco Rubio and Mike Norvell in Florida State. Like, you, you've you lived off of the transfer portal for the past two years, and then when it goes, the rules get clamped down and it goes against you, now all of a sudden you're mad. Um, but the, the sheer fact that, like, Tez Walker, Keaton Slovis, like all of these other quarterbacks who have bounced around with COVID years and grad transfers and their their freedom to enter the portal, and now they're playing on their fourth team in six years, and Tez Walker can't play is the dumbest thing ever. Um, besides that, sorry, because <laughs> we need to get picks. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I think uh, I think Texas's defensive line to me did well, but Alabama might have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Texas's offensive line did not look that good, and Alabama might have one of the best defensive lines in the country. Um, Texas, or Alabama already has some injuries in the secondary, which has me a little bit concerned. But I think, like I said, I, I think home field advantage for Alabama, I think that place is going to be rocking. Um, and they may have, if they have communication issues, like if they can't get it together, I, I think Bama's going to be fired up for this game. I... I think I I can't lay where the number is, but I would not be shocked to see an Alabama, a vintage Alabama like twenty one to nine performance where they just yeah they just are the way more physical physically imposing team and they win this game very comfortably but at a way lower score. Um, what is the total? It is uh, I literally just fifty four and a half. Ooh, 
I'm going to add the under 54 and a half. Oh, okay. I'm going to I'm going to say that that this game gets played tighter um than I think we expect because I think both like Texas defense is sneaky maybe the better side of their team. Um wouldn't disagree. And Alabama like 54 and a half is I get it. It's only what like 27 a piece, 28. Like I said, I I could really see a world where this is just a, a not a rock fight, but this is a, a knockdown drag out um performance. Physical it, brawl, it yeah. Be, it could be very one sided. Um so yeah, I'll add the under. I do think Bama wins though. But picks. All right, let's hit it. Picks. Uh I'll go first. I got five on my card that I haven't talked about. Uh so I gave you NC State, Notre Dame over over 51, two-lane money line, Texas plus 7.5, Oregon minus 6.5. I also like Colorado minus 3. Um, I don't think this comes as a shock to anybody, but I personally believe in what Dion is doing over there. I think Nebraska has too many white boys to keep up with Buffalo. Uh, the oh, Colorado. I think they're going to get with you in this game. I just, I, I just thought, like, when I picture this game, this is Shane Gillis's YouTube comedy special when he talks about white cornerbacks. That's, that's <laughs> like what I physically, I hear Nebraska. That's what I see. So I don't think they keep up. I think they, they Nebraska gets crushed at Colorado after that big game. The Buffs are going to go crazy. Give me Colorado. Uh, UTEP money line. Uh, this is very simple. Northwestern sucks. UTEP is good and had a bad game. Uh, they are one and a half point favorites. Give me the points. Give me the money line. I just put money line because it's minus one twenty, and the spread was minus one point one and a half points at minus one fifteen. So give me the money line. Uh, very simple. Northwestern sucks. Uh, Utah at Baylor. Uh, I am buying in on Utah, and I am buying in that Baylor is bad. Give me Utah minus seven and a half. Um, I've been high on the Utes for some time now, uh, including last year. Uh, I think they have the possibility that they upset USC and a few others this year to take the Pac-12. Uh, give me Utah minus seven and a half. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State. This is going to be a great game. We didn't talk about this, but in-house rivalry, both teams, uh, pretty good defensive powerhouses. And Iowa now has finally gotten their offense to a modest point. So give me Iowa minus four uh, away at Iowa State. Um, I think the Hawkeyes are a very good team on defense and a very good team on special teams. And with their average offense now average and not horrible, uh, I don't think Iowa state keeps up regardless of what happens. Uh, and then last bet gambling bowl, the Iowa gambling bowl. Yeah. Fitting. Uh, and (laughs) both teams missing players due to suspensions. Well, who cares? Um, Wisconsin minus six and a half at Washington State. Washington State's a good team. This is more of a belief bet. Um, I like Wisconsin. Uh, I listened to Rico Bosco when he said he thought Wisconsin was going to (laughs) make it to the natty. Uh, So I think Wisconsin bounces back from a mediocre, if not bad, game uh, against Buffalo last week when they should have really dominated. Uh, So give me Wisconsin. Mike? Uh, I think I now with the ads because I just added one that I think you're gonna like. I think I'm up to eleven. <sighs> Run us through it, baby. Yes. All right. So we talked about Notre Dame minus seven and a half. A more experienced team on the road. I watched them do it to North Carolina last year. I think they do it again. Um, giving North Car- Notre Dame minus seven and a half against North Carolina State. I'm on you with Colorado. That is my two unit play of the week. Um, I love Colorado minus three. The pick I just added is uh that I will add to uh, my card when I drive to Virginia um, is, well, I mean, I added it to my card now. I'm saying I will add it, <laughs> add it when I go post the bet. Uh, Colorado minus 18 and a half, uh, alternate line plus 360. I am sprinkling that. Um, nice, nice. Because I do think that this game could get completely out of hand. Like I was looking, I was looking to see what the the odds would be on this if, uh, if it was like minus 40, like if, if Colorado just blew them out. Um, I did not see the, that line. The biggest alternate line I saw was 18 and a half. So I will take it um, because I think that there's a chance that Colorado does win this game by 40. Um, no, look, this is, this is a combination of I think Colorado's legit and Nebraska looked awful, especially offensively. They needed a trick play 
to score their only touchdown um, against Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's defense is not is pretty good. Um, but Jeff Sims looked atrocious. Um, and, and, like, that was an offense that even Colorado could stop. And they are not going to – like, they played really – they played well um, defensively, but I just think Minnesota is not good. Uh, I thought Minnesota's offense was incredibly underwhelming against Nebraska. I don't think it, this was like Nebraska's defense is suddenly all world. I think it's more Minnesota's just not a good football team offensively. Um, that all adds up to this game might be a blowout. Uh, minus three is way too low. I Colorado home opener, all the juice, everyone there. This this is like my game of the week. I, I love Colorado in this spot. Uh, I'll try to get through the rest of these quick. Washington minus 34 and a half. Um, this is another one, like, if you believe it, achieve it. <laughs> if, if you believe what you saw in week one, go back to the well. Um, because this is, to me, this is where you get value um, before Vegas actually catches up to how good some of these teams are. I think Washington's one of those teams. Like, no, I I was leaning Boise State in that game. Um, and nobody thought they would win by 40-something. Uh, and then they come back next week, and it's 34-and-a-half versus Tulsa. Like, the, that – that doesn't make any sense. Tulsa's bad. Washington's good. This is a spread. If you saw it last week, most of the the action would have been on Washington. Um, I'm gonna. I added to Lane plus seven and a half. I'm riding with you. I'm another one. If you believe it, Oklahoma minus sixteen and a half. Uh, I think that line actually dropped now to fifteen and a half um, against SMU. Uh, I I think Oklahoma's offense might be back. Um, they got to get an actual test against a team that can score. But I think off 77 points against or 73 points against anybody is not a fluke. Um, and if Dylan Gabriel goes down like he did last year, Jackson Arnold looked like the real deal. Um, who's their five-star recruit. And I think went eight for eight for 160 yards and a touchdown or like eight for eight for 120. Um, he looked great. I, I think, like I said, Oklahoma, I think, might be pretty legit, and I'm going to take them before Vegas catches on. Uh, I have Bama, Texas under 54.5. We talked about that. I have Houston minus 10. I was really impressed, and this might be a letdown spot, but the but Vegas has this. They're playing Rice. Um, 99% of the cash is on Houston. Um, 99. Like we always say. when That's 90, crazy. When That's 99, crazy. Ninety nine percent of the cash is on something you have to take it. Um, it. This we see this with like NFL totals all the time um, for some weird reason, but I've never seen this on a college football spread. Um, Houston minus ten, uh, just because of where Vegas is on this thing. Uh, we talked about Oregon minus six and a half, and then I've got a, a late night combo. I'm not parlaying them, um, but I'm taking both Arizona schools to cover. Arizona plus 10 at Mississippi State. I thought Mississippi State looked good, not great uh, in their opener. Um, but I just don't think they're that good of a team. I think Arizona's probably a little bit better than most people think they are. Um, they're, it's a two-score spread. I know it's a night game. I know it's at Mississippi State. I just think that there's a chance that Arizona comes out and plays tough, competitive football, and this is a seven-point win for Mississippi State, and that's all you need inside the number. Um Arizona State, I've done a 180 on Oklahoma State. Um, I, you know, in the previous show, I, I took them um, to go over their win total. I think they they just don't have the same level of talent. Uh, this game is at Arizona State. Uh, it's a late night game. I know Gundy's experience, but to me, I like Kenny Dillingham seems like a good coach. They've given the ball to Rashada. I think that that team has rallied around. Um, Kenny Dillingham and not being able to go to a bowl game. And so I just, I think Arizona, like most of the money here is on Oklahoma state, but PFF still has the value on um, Arizona state, which I know we don't talk about that often, but a three and a half point dog at home against a team that doesn't really have a quarterback and the team that's at home has one. Um, to me, I, I just, I really like where that number is. So give me Arizona state plus the points. I like it. I like it. Well, that's been our college football show. Almost an hour on the dot. We did yeah. well. Uh, so that's been our week one recap, week two picks. Uh, like and subscribe. 
uh, don't forget, uh, hit that little follow button. Uh, we're on every now uh, platform that you listen to podcasts, so that's great. Um, and then tune into our NFL show that we do as well. Uh, we run down every game, talk about lines, talk about storylines. Uh, this has been Stupid versus Spread. Thanks for watching.